to preface it a little bit for the listeners, I, um, you know, upon the successful launch, the recent launch that SpaceX just had, bringing two astronauts to the ISS, it kind of sparked that sort of interest and curiosity again, which was, you know, the intended goal, the underlying sort of goal that SpaceX has in mind and NASA. And um, yeah, I was going down the rabbit hole, you know, revisiting all the videos and um, I had to revisit the classic, the, the Falcon Heavy launch with, um, was it Falcon Heavy? It was Falcon Heavy yeah. with the, the um, Starman. The, the first one with the Roadster attached to it. And, um, you know, again, became curious to know where is the Roadster? And I stumbled upon a website where's the roadster.com and you happen to be the creator of that website so really appreciate you uh joining us today oh, thanks and for thank having me for making the website honestly i mean it's just amazing that people are you know willing to do that because you you didn't have to do that but you still made it for everyone that's interested yeah yeah honestly it answered the question for myself and then you know once i had it answered for myself i may as well answer for other people it wasn't that much more difficult sure well that's amazing um i'm curious to hear you know when your fascination or interest with space and um you know engineering began um a long long time ago i mean basically when i was in third grade i remember reading pretty much every book that my library had on space and space exploration and it's been something i've been interested in ever since then that's amazing and what was what, what like made you interested what was the first thing that you could kind of recall that really got your attention because as a third you know when you're in third grade Yes, sometimes some kids are fascinated with space and the concept, but they don't really understand, you know, in the macro perspective, how big and what we're talking about, the complexities that are at play. I think that the thing that got me interested was just pushing the boundaries of exploration. I remember being fascinated with when were humans going to get back to the moon and putting a moon base and putting a base on Mars and all of that kind of stuff from the early days. And I just continuing the, the I mean, because, you know, other than the bottom of the ocean, we've pretty much explored all of Earth at this point in time and being able to continue to have that kind of exploration throughout the, the solar system always appealed to me, I think. But it's hard to know for sure. It's a long time ago. Yeah. No, I, I can definitely understand that and respect that. Um, I kind of had a similar sort of you know, again, this is in retrospect, because at the moment, I didn't understand what I was thinking about. But I remember um, just being in my house being I think I was about 10 or 11. And just thinking about like, like envisioning in my head, the sort of magnitude of space, and just kind of like dreaming about, you know, exploring and just visiting different things. Like it was like I was I was playing a simulator in my head that didn't really exist. And that's when I kind of realized that, you know, besides everything else that I'm interested in or that I choose to pursue, that's something that I've always been fascinated by. Just how, you know, the unknown, like we don't know why we're here and everything in, in between, so. Yeah, I don't remember having a moment like that per se, but just I've always been interested in exploration, I guess. And space is the final frontier, right, so. Yeah, so as far as we know, but. Um, when was, um, so you chose to pursue engineering 
correct. Aerospace engineering. And, um, or is it, what, what's the correct term? Well, my degree is in electrical engineering, but aerospace engineering is what I, I have kind of ended up doing. Okay. And was that something you planned out to do? Or is it something that kind of just, you know? Well, I actually chose the college that I went to purposely because they had a student satellite program. So you could build satellites as a student. And so, yeah, it's been something that I've, I've very much sought out. That's amazing. And, um, you know, I did want to talk about Mars. I did want to talk about, you know, getting back on the moon and all the complications. And, you know, what's really been holding us back from that? Besides the financial concerns, obviously, but, you know, besides that, I don't really understand why we haven't, we don't have a moon base. We haven't visited Mars or even, you know, attempted to send something there besides, you know, the rover. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, but the, I think it personally comes down to politics that, uh, you know, it's just been outside of the realm of what even the super rich people could afford to do on there. I mean, you're talking estimates have been 25 to a hundred billion dollars. You're not going to be able to have a privately funded expedition at that cost. That's just way, way too much. Mm -hmm. So it's been up to the realm of the government and the government, it's something that takes time to be able to put all of the pieces together in some way, shape, or form, we've been trying to get back to the moon and Mars since at least 2004 and to a lesser extent even before then. Um, the names have changed usually with the political administration that happens to be in the White House at the time. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the goal has been pretty much the same. They've wanted to use some kind of shuttle-based hardware to send humans to the moon and to Mars. But um, with the, the huge expense, it's always been perceived as, and it's just too expensive. So it hasn't really had the political will to get forward. But there isn't really any major technological challenges other than reducing the cost of this mission. We, right. I mean, we've had people living on the space station for 20 years now. Mm -hmm. That's a solved problem at this point in time to have them last for a long time. Right. Um, landing heavy payloads on Mars is something that would need some work. You need to have a much, much heavier payload and that we haven't really done yet. So that's, I suppose, one of the major challenges. But most of the stuff, we, we kind of know what to do. It's just getting the political will to get the money forward to make it happen. My day job is with aerospace engineering, but it doesn't have anything directly to do with space travel. and at least at this time. I've worked with commercial companies in the past uh, doing communication satellites. I worked uh, as a student intern with the um, high-rise camera. That's this big high-resolution camera in the orbit of Mars. If you've seen some pictures from the orbit of Mars then uh, that had just beautiful, gorgeous images, then that was the camera that I worked with when I was a student. That's amazing. Um, the other days, things... I don't talk about as much, but yeah. I totally understand. So going back to, you know, why we haven't gone to Mars, I think politically it does make sense, but do you think there's a lack of incentive? People aren't just, um, I guess, 
majority of the human beings in that in that um that get to make those decisions that get to approve the funding aren't that interested is that something that's um you know viable or is that is that an assumption that i'm making i mean it's certainly the case the apollo it's well known it was because it was during the cold war that we managed to push that through mm-hmm. um the expenses are pretty high astronomical haha but um it's the, you know there's there's a good chunk of the public that's interested in space but you're talking maybe you know in the 20%ish that is is pretty interested in space and the rest of people just you know they don't see that money spent on space gets spent here on earth and right. it creates technologies that will help to better us you know the launch of starlink satellites for instance will ultimately allow internet in rural areas throughout the entire world which will have a huge impact the military's desire to be able to accurately send a missile from point a to point b led to gps satellites which i think we all use all the time these days it's hard to remember how to navigate without them i was out in the middle of the woods this morning actually and got a little bit lost and was pulling up my gps on my phone to figure out where i was to get back to where i was yeah. you know 20 years ago we didn't have any of that and right. it's just really amazing that all of this happens and not to mention that the money is ultimately spent on earth right you don't just send up a big giant wad of cash into space you uh spend the money on the various engineers and the technicians and other people that will in turn help to improve the economy i think i've heard that every dollar spent to nasa will end up being multiplied by four or five at some point in time down the road that's a very very good point because a lot of people have this misconception that when you know they're putting 60 million dollars or something into a launch or however much it is depending on what what the purpose is that that money just disappears but that actually trickles down to you know i would assume the salaries of the people involved that that have been working and like you said i mean the technology eventually in some cases comes back to us and actually helps us progress further oh absolutely i mean every I mean, with the possible exception of like spy satellites and such, which spy satellites help to promote um, peace more than most things, actually, because if you can see where the enemy potential enemies are actually doing, then, you know, hey, they're not doing anything that's too much concern right now. So we don't need to do anything that could end up provoking them. Right. Right. So um, everything, though, pretty much in space has some kind of incentive to helping people down here on earth in fact why would you send anything up there without it it's just kind of silly um research on the space station is helping to figure out ways to potentially cure cancer um found a new state of matter on the space station there's all kinds of interesting stuff that happens and you know the the technology ends up trickling down into all kinds of things we use today not to mention the salary for the engineers such as myself and and other people who are out there that, you know, it ends up helping everyone. I definitely agree. Um, I did want to ask you about Starlink. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you know about the sort of co- uh, cost structure. Do you, do you have any idea of how it's going to work for the, for the consumers? I have a couple of ideas. They haven't really announced anything yet. Um, 
So communication satellites are interesting. You have to get permission from every country where you're going to be transmitting something from. Doesn't matter where the satellite is, but you have to, if you're on the ground, you have to be able to transmit it. If you're out at sea, it doesn't matter. It's based off of the ship that, where they're registered. Um, some countries are pickier than others. So like if the United States approves something, then you can probably pretty safely go anywhere in the Americas except for Canada. Canada wants a separate approval, but they'll kind of wave off the FCC and, and go ahead and do that. Um, so they're going to have to do something uh, country by country. The way the Starlink satellites are right now, uh, they don't transmit from one to another yet. They hope to be able to do that sometime soon. So you have to be able to see from both the place you're wanting to get on the internet and from the place that actually is holding the internet access to make it work. Um, a lot of people think that it's going to be like a private ISP and I think that's their ultimate goal mm -hmm. to to be that kind of thing. But I think there's going to be a lot of point-to-point -point linking. Uh, the military has already purchased a huge chunk of bandwidth to do some testing so that they can potentially do stuff like send live video to fighter pilots that are out in the air doing whatever they need to do. And it wow. could help them to do that kind of stuff. Uh, they've done tests with Starlink satellites that, where they've communicated between different um, fighter jets. And there's a lot of potential interesting things that will happen with this. I think there will be some people who are going to get access. It's not going to be, I think, affordable and good internet access for a person who lives in a city. Okay. I think it's not going to be like, oh, my ISP is just horrible. I'm going to be replacing them. No, no. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a really good alternative for the people who live out in the country who their options are bad and worse. Um, you could get a microwave internet connection, but anytime you have rain, then you're gonna attenuate the signal and it's just gonna cause problems there, whereas this shouldn't have that problem in theory. So it will be a, a good thing. Um, I bet you it's gonna be more expensive than a lot of people would like, but maybe something like a hundred bucks a month and you're gonna have some amount of bandwidth that you're going to be allowed to use and it's going to probably start throttling down and it'll be a lot better than the current existing satellite. It's going to be way faster. It'll be lower latency and probably less expensive than existing satellite internet, but existing satellite internet is not very good. Right. But um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I'm quite fascinated to, to hear more about it, but it's going to be focused on the people who are in the country. This has been said several times. It's also going to be a point-to-point -point, uh, connection through... You could route a signal across the ocean if you wanted to do something real fast. You know, financial people who care about the milliseconds that you're able to shave off and sending a signal from one end of the world to the other, they're probably going to enjoy using Starlink because you don't have to worry with the fiber optic delay. So there'll be some niche applications, but um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question a bit. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's not it's not like a generalized thing that's that everyone will 
want to use. It's only kind of catering to a niche audience, let's say. At first, I mean, if they launch 12,000 satellites, then they might be doable. But if you think about it, you know, you'll have one satellite overhead and that satellite has to service everybody in your entire city. Mm-hmm. That satellite might have, what, like five gigabits per second. But if you have to service a thousand people, then that's not that great. And right. If it's 10,000, it's even worse. And, you know, how many people live in cities? Hundreds of thousands, millions? Nah. It's not going to work very well. And downloads and everything. It's just. Sure. And not everyone's on at the same time, granted, but it's not, you're not going to be replacing your fiber optic internet connection with the uh, Starlink. For sure. It's not going to happen. 